You're listening to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast, created by the Arthritis Foundation to help people with arthritis and the people who love them live their best lives. If you're dealing with chronic pain, this podcast is for you. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. Here, learn how you can take control of arthritis with tips and ideas from our hosts and guest experts. Welcome to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Wells. I'm a social work professor and researcher and work with young people with autoimmune conditions. I also have been living with juvenile arthritis for nearly 40 years, and I've been volunteering for the Arthritis Foundation for almost 20 years. And you may have heard me on some previous episodes of the podcast, and I'm happy to be back for today's episode about self-advocacy. Doctors and other healthcare workers may want the best care for their patients, but with the pressures of today's healthcare system in the U.S., many just don't have the time that they would like to dedicate to each patient. In addition, arthritis patients know their bodies, situations, and needs better than anyone, so it's important that they know how to advocate for themselves. We're excited for this episode, where we'll be joined by Stephanie Rosado, a PhD candidate in social work and certified wellness and health coach who is dedicated to promoting positive physical and mental health, particularly among racial and ethnic minority groups. She will discuss the importance of speaking up for yourself and strategies to make yourself heard, as well as why it's important to advocate for underrepresented people. Thank you for being here, Stephanie. Thank you for having me, Courtney. I'm so excited to talk about self-advocacy and about arthritis. It's such a passion area of mine. Well, wonderful. Why don't we start with just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your research? Well, I always start off by saying that I'm originally from Pontiac, Michigan, because it's a part of who I am and also helps tie in everything else that I'm passionate about. I'm also a Latina, I'm Puerto Rican, and that also ties into my passion areas. And my prior career was a professional athlete. I played basketball at the professional level. Arthritis ended my professional career because I have osteoarthritis or OA for short. I was diagnosed as a professional athlete, which means I was young to get diagnosed with OA. Tells you a little bit about why I'm passionate and probably alludes to like my research interests, which is underrepresented minorities. What do we know about young adults with arthritis or osteoarthritis specifically? There's not a lot of research and literature out there. So I'm hoping to help kind of expand on that. Yeah. Thank you for telling us a little bit more about yourself. I'm curious about your your research that you're working on maybe for your PhD. Is that specifically what your dissertation is on? I'm not focusing on younger adults specifically, but just focusing on osteoarthritis. And I'm interested in specifically studying how people are adapting to the disease. There's some changes that go along with that diagnosis. There's some changes that goes along with the physiological symptoms that 
we encounter not just with the body, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, in terms of our identity and how we see ourselves, how others see us because of our diagnosis or whatnot. So I aim to look at osteoarthritis in adults 18 to 79 and what are those identity changes that may be happening for them? What are those changes in satisfaction with life that may be happening for them that are underexplored and that maybe providers in the office need to be assessing for? I love that. That's actually overlaps a little bit with my research on, I'm really interested in grief. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, their identities, that's a big part of it is they, they lose some things along the way. For sure. I know I did. I lost my career, my identity as an athlete, which is also why I'm so passionate about the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports, you know, to aid athletes in periods of transition, whether that's ending a career, injury, other mental health transitions or struggles they're going through. Yeah, you've got a lot of different aspects here going on from being an athlete, being in social work, and your focus on underrepresented groups. If you could give the audience maybe a little background on on different groups of people and maybe how you've seen some disparities there. We know that minoritized populations are underrepresented in research in general. So we don't know a lot about them. We don't know how they're experiencing a variety of diseases, including arthritis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, because we don't have enough of that representation in the research for minoritized populations. That's been my experience with it. And being a minoritized population myself, as well as my mother, who was also diagnosed with osteoarthritis, um, I've lived it. I've lived that experience of not being understood. Um, Cultural incompetencies from providers and orthopedic physicians that may not understand, or maybe there's a language barrier there. So you're a volunteer with the Tampa, Florida Arthritis Foundation, and you were a speaker at this year's Pathways Conference. Can you tell us why you got involved with the Arthritis Foundation? I felt like I just wanted to find a resource for myself about osteoarthritis, and I found the Walk to Cure Arthritis. And I'm like, oh, this is a Tampa Bay thing, right? So I was like so excited by it. Like I could just walk. I could do that, right? It's just a walk. I don't have to run anything. I participated in the following year's Walk to Cure, which was in person. It's just been a great experience, a great sense of community. And I think that's what's kept me involved is that sense of community and continuous learning about not just osteoarthritis, but all other arthritic type of diseases and the struggles that people face. What did you speak at the Pathways Conference about? It was really just providing a patient's perspective. Everyone here is research and, you know, it's that's a scary word, right, to a lot of our communities. As you're developing the methodology for this research study, are you considering the voice of the patient? Are you considering how they will feel or what they're thinking about when you tell them that they may be involved in a research study? And how do we disseminate that? Oh, that's so great to hear. A lot of my research focuses on patient-centered research and trying to mm-hmm. figure out how do we get more voices into the research whole machine that we have. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that? I would love to know more and maybe our audience does too. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit. I started a youth council a few years ago that is funded by PCORI and we 
do exactly that. So we take young patients, they're 16 to 22 years old, and we train them to be patient researchers. So we are developing a curriculum and then we help them learn how to work with researchers and then we help connect them to researchers so that they can participate in researcher studies. And then we mentor them and support them along the way. And some of our young people have know nothing about research whatsoever and maybe have negative feelings about it. Others are college students who are volunteering in labs and things like that. And so we have a wide range, but we really are trying our hardest to get as many different types of people to be involved in the research process. That's awesome. Talk about self-advocacy, like that right there, you know, that's really giving someone a tool that they can use not only to learn more about what they're experiencing, but also to contribute to this bigger advocacy piece, you know, um, to push the needle forward in terms of arthritis research. So that's amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for it's cool. That. The Arthritis Foundation's Live Yes Connect groups are empowering support groups that bring people together for informative events and engaging activities. Peer-run and volunteer-led, they offer a place of understanding and encouragement and cover all kinds of topics. Find a group that matches your interests at connectgroups.arthritis.org. Could you talk a little bit more about how people could become involved in research or how research could better incorporate people from different backgrounds? Yeah, it's funny because we said that is a form of self-advocacy, getting involved in research. My personal opinion, my take on it is that that power dynamic needs to be removed. People can get involved in research if they want to, but researchers need to do a better job of disseminating information so it's understandable to like potential participants and things like that so i think the responsibility is on the researcher to to do that and to make it less scary for participants that brings me to my question for you about self advocacy so how do you define that and what does that look like for the people that you work with I would define that as using or leveraging every tool, every skill and resource available to you to ensure that your needs are met and that you're taking an active role in creating the best outcome possible for yourself. And so when I say every tool, every skill, every resource, I mean everything, because advocacy is not just about speaking up and talking and advocating in spoken language, right? Advocating is being a part of research. Advocating is educating yourself. But advocacy is very much speaking up for yourself at a provider's office to tell them what you are experiencing and how you're experiencing. It's also negotiating work responsibilities, right? Because of your illness. Maybe you need a, a standing desk. Maybe you need other modifications and self-advocacy is also setting boundaries with people. Even housework with your partner or spouse at home. It could be simple as that. That's self-advocacy. A lot of times when I talk about advocacy, people think I mean go to the legislature and testify and do, you know, do those formal things. And those are really wonderful. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that formal. 
And can you talk a little bit about what you found about the importance of self-advocacy, especially in the context of arthritis? I have felt unheard in providers' offices. So I think my self-advocacy has come out in the form of, you know what, it doesn't matter where you are, who the provider is, you have a responsibility to yourself to continuously advocate. And so I've been in providers' offices where I felt unheard or perhaps uh, I felt rushed or even brushed off because I am a bit younger than your quote-unquote typical osteoarthritis patient. So I've asked like, hey, can you slow down for me? I really want you to know what I'm experiencing. So equipping myself with the language that they can understand. So doctor, this is affecting my activities of daily living because they understand that. A form of self-advocacy for me has been letting the providers know what they're doing well too so they can do it with everyone. They can do it with the next patient. Thank you for taking your time with me. Simple, but it goes a long way, right? I think providers remember that as well. I'm curious if there's any cultural aspects of self-advocacy for you, or if you see that that plays into any of your cultural background. Just in general, culture sometimes brings up a lot of different things for different people. For example, a big one is food in a lot of different cultures, right? And we know that food can flare up some type of inflammation sometimes, Food can also be comforting, but also uh, cause you to gain weight if we overindulge, right? And so sometimes when my mom wants to scoop that extra little rice on the plate, I'm like, no, mom, I can't do that because I'm trying to, you know, keep a healthy weight for my my, um, joints or whatever it is. And so being able to advocate for yourself in that sense, well, maybe you can't partake in a particular cultural event or indulgement, whatever it is, and being able to say, hey, I can't do that, but this is why. That's one way I think of it. Thank you for giving that example. Your voice matters. You have the power to make arthritis a higher priority in American healthcare. Influence state and federal policies, healthcare laws, and research funding, and bring arthritis out of the shadows. Go to arthritis.org slash advocate and sign up. What kind of goals do people need to advocate for or things that they're working towards? And what are some ways that you would recommend working towards those goals and advocating? That's a good question. One goal I had for myself, like I said earlier, to be able to self-advocate is to educate myself, right? I believe that education is power. You know, the more knowledge you have, the more power you have, the less susceptible you are to misinformation and the less susceptible you are to misunderstand uh, what a provider is telling you or, you know, what anyone else is telling you. For that matter, you can make more informed decisions If you have a goal, like if you just got diagnosed with an arthritic condition and you're like, I know nothing about this disease. No one in my family has this disease. I don't know anything. And it's scary, right? And you have the goal to learn more about it. 
So go to the arthritis foundation. Don't just use Google because Google can give you some wonky results too. You know, go to the arthritis foundation and read about your particular condition. Go to the CDC, go to these reputable organizations and research backed organizations that's going to give you concrete information. That's just one example how when you set a goal for yourself, when you're diagnosed with an arthritic condition, uh, how you can go about kind of achieving that goal through self-advocacy. You will have trade-offs when you get your diagnosis. So a form of self-advocacy is finding ways around or what can you do that can give you that same fulfillment without giving up too much. Um, I think about parenting too, like maybe you can't go out and run with your kids like you like to, but maybe you guys can go out and ride bikes, you know, something like that because it's less impact. It sounds from your experience that you also believe it's important to advocate for other people. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah. So I do believe in, uh, you know, paying it forward and everything, right? Whether it's advocacy or whatever I do, I believe in paying things forward. Someone did it for me. So I want to do it for somebody else. And I want that person to do it for somebody else because that's how we make long lasting change. And so one of the ways I do that, again, is sharing my story even if your story reaches one person who resonates with it, it makes a difference. You don't have to reach the world and make world impact. You know, even if it's just one person, you can change their life. Even if it's small, when someone does something for you, I believe in paying it forward in it. And selfishly, it it does help me. Like it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. It makes me feel like I'm having an impact at the same time. So it's a two way street. Yeah, great. Thank you. If you have arthritis or are taking care of someone who does, we've got information you can trust. Get tips on healthy treatments, plus news and inspirational stories. Learn all about arthritis and the resources we offer. Go to arthritis.org. We had some social media comments here, some listener questions or comments. And the one of the prompts went out was, what do you have to fight the hardest for? These are some of the responses that we received. So insurance to cover medication, strength, both physically and mentally, and constant comorbidities that tag along with RA accessibility, specifically elevators and campus and trying to get around in different spaces, and social aspects of the diagnosis, managing pain, building a treatment regimen. Any of these sound familiar? (laughs) These all resonate. You know, insurance to cover medication two months ago, where a medication that I had already tried that had worked was denied by my insurance because they, you know, they changed their rules and what they cover and all this stuff. So now I have to go through step therapy and fail first before I can get it covered again. I resonate with that strength, both mentally and physically. You definitely need strength in both areas to move forward. And also the strength to seek help if you're struggling in that area, especially mentally. I'm a huge advocate for mental health. 
their strength in getting the help that you need. The social aspect of having a diagnosis in a study that I conducted last summer and that was recently published was that young people with osteoarthritis, and I assume it's the same with, you know, any type of arthritic disease, is the the sex life component. You know, you're young, you're in your prime, your intimate relationships may be a big component of your life during that time. And so we don't talk about it because it's taboo. So that's something that's underexplored and that needs to be talked about more. So yeah, all of this stuff, building a treatment regimen, how do you do that, right? That's something else we need to be educated about. So yeah, I resonate with all of these. Wonderful. Well, we typically like to close the podcast each time with the top three takeaways from the discussion. One of them You're still a person with needs, wants, goals, things that you want to do with your life. So work with your providers to advocate for yourself, your life, and the life that you want to live to build a treatment regimen that is good for you and um, that helps you still feel good and feel whole. Yeah, that's one. You want to go next? (laughs) (laughs) Our conversation has made me think more about this, this idea that sometimes when we go in to see our providers, there's this clear doctor, patient, I'm supposed to act this way. I'm not supposed to do these things. And that's not how it needs to be. They're there to help us. And so if we don't tell them what we need and what we want and how we want it, then how are they going to to help us really if we don't don't advocate and ask for what we need and tell them when we we're having a hard time. So I think that I that, that I'm constantly trying to reframe that for myself. Yeah. Another takeaway for me would be asking how we can give back, right? So even in the most difficult times when we receive a diagnosis or we're struggling with something How can we look for that silver lining? How can we give back? How can we ensure that someone else doesn't go through the same thing? Or at least if they do experience, for example, the same diagnosis, they have more tools, more education, more research out there for themselves to better handle that disease, that diagnosis, or that experience with the disease. Always ask yourself how you can give back with what you're experiencing, even though what you're experiencing may be a difficult situation. Yeah, that's wonderful. I also really liked your points about being young and trying to train healthcare providers that young people do get these conditions just because somebody looks a certain way, you make a lot of assumptions about them, and that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their truth. That's a great point and a nice takeaway. Just because you're younger doesn't mean you can fight it better. Being able to verbalize that loss or that grief or the things you're struggling with for a provider um, can really impact your care in a positive way. Because like you said, if you let them know what you're experiencing, then the responsibility is on a provider to kind of, okay, what can we do with this? Yeah, exactly. And then that helps pay it forward, right? Yep, yep. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It has been really great talking with you today. And I think we've all had a lot of good reflections on self-advocacy. Thank you for having me, Courtney. I really enjoyed this. 
The Live Yes with Arthritis podcast is independently produced by the Arthritis Foundation. This podcast aims to help people living with arthritis and chronic pain live their best life. People like you. For a transcript and show notes, go to arthritis.org slash podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And stay in touch. 